Hey everyone, it's Alex from Los Angeles. And this is Karan from San Francisco. Welcome to Movies That Shaped Us, a journey of self-discovery through a shared love of film. We are two longtime friends who grew up on opposite ends of the globe with very different backgrounds, but were both shaped and are still being shaped by the movies we see and love. In each episode, we'll cover a topic around important people, places, events, and moments in our lives, and then explore it through three of our favorite movies. We hope these movies and topics are fun and revelatory to you, just like the way they've been to us. So with that, what's our episode today, Alex? Uh, so, uh, listeners, our episode today, um, actually, th- this episode, we are going to the dogs, literally. So <laughs> this episode is uh, movies that shaped our love of dogs. And it was just National Pet Day recently, April 11th. Um, so we thought this would be the time to honor our favorite pets, um, which are which are dogs, Um so both of us are dog lovers, uh, previous, and I am a current also dog owner. So we mm-hmm. thought, um, you know, movies, there's a lot of dogs in movies, animals in movies. Um, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk through about how those movies shaped our experiences as dog lovers, as dog owners. Um, but maybe we can start with just a very brief background of our history with, with dogs. So, so Karan, yes, I know you had a dog. Maybe you can talk to our listeners a little bit about your, your dog. I know. Yes makes me emotional just even thinking about it but yeah. uh yeah we had a golden lab named bruno um when i was an undergrad and we'll talk more about this when we go over our list but my mom grew up as a dog person she had dogs all along my dad not so much so it took us a long time to convince our dad to actually get us a dog and we finally got one and of course it was amazing and but he left us way too soon uh which was pretty hard and left a big hole in our hearts. And of course, now we think of him very fondly, but, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's my story. Uh, what about you? Cool. Bruno. So this we'll dedicate this episode to Bruno along with all of our, all of our dogs. We don't um, talk about Bruno. Oh, I was no going to make that joke. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make that joke. Um, so, so yeah, I'd also always wanted a, a dog growing up as maybe, you know, most kids do. Um, we got our first dog when I was, uh, I was like nine, uh, but we only had him for a week because he had some like behavioral issues. So then he got taken away, oh. which is a story more for my therapist in this podcast in terms of how that impacted me. It was not easy. Um, but then we got our, I guess, technically second dog uh, named Snowy, who was the dog I had growing up. Uh, she was a, a Wheaton Terrier. Um, so I, I got her when I was 10. So she lived um, She lived a good life. Um, I She passed away or she was put down um, when I was 25. So I was not around at the time. So she was with me all through then, you know, grade school, junior high, high school, went off to college, you know, would come back and visit her um, and then uh, then passed away. And then uh, currently I own a dog um, named Oscar, who's a, who's a mutt. He's a mini schnauzer and, and Yorkie mix um, that adopted him when he was around one. Um, so now he's about eight. So past dog owner, current dog owner. Um, and uh, yeah, I just love dogs. I've always, always loved dogs. They make great pets and they're just great, great creatures. They are amazing. And Oscar is the best. Um, I can testify to that. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a lot of great cousins too. Uh, my parents got another dog later in life and my, uh, my sister just got a dog uh, about two years ago. So Oscar's got a lot of cousins. So I'm always surrounded by dogs and it's something that uh, really, it's an enjoyable part of life. I feel like having, having a pet and being around dogs. Um, so yeah, maybe with that, why don't we start off with your listening, Karan, about the, the first movie uh, from your past that has shaped your love of dogs. All right. 
So the first one I have here is a movie called 101 Dalmatians. This is the 1961 version, the animated version, uh, directed by uh, Wolfgang Reiterman, Hamilton, Lusk, and Clyde Geronimi, uh, with voices from Rod Taylor, Betty Lou Gerson, uh, and J. Pat O'Malley. And the quick logline is, when a litter of Dalmatian puppies are abducted by the minions of Cruella de Vil, the owners must find them before she uses them for a diabolical fashion statement. So I put this movie on my list. First of all, a little bit of history. I got a VHS tape of this movie from my aunt who's at that time, well, because she's no longer with us, but she married a Swiss and was uh, living in Zurich for a long, long time. And she was visiting once and she brought a German VHS tape of this movie. So for the longest oh, time, wow. I'd actually never even seen the English version. It had no subtitles, but me and my sister would just watch the German version. So, so <laughs> is, is that 101 German Shepherds then where like the dogs <laughs> recast as German dogs? <laughs> no. <laughs> I would have, I actually would love to hear, not to, to interrupt your, your story here, but I love to hear that like the, the voices, like the German voices on like Pongo and like that'd be uh, really I know. cool. But, uh, I know, exactly. Very special. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty amazing. I wish I could find, I'm sure we could find that version now, but but yeah, it made a big impact from, you know, very, very early on. And there's something, of, of course, the dog was super adorable, super cute. But I think there's something about the animation style of this movie, which I'll talk about a little bit later, that made a big impact on me uh, right from the get-go. But zooming out, I think why I put this movie on, on my list from a thematic standpoint was... To me, this movie is about the unconditional love that dogs give you and can often even save you. Um, and of course, this theme is, is going to be touched in all of our movies in some right. way or the other. But to me, this is the signature theme of this movie. Um, but, you know, going back to watching this as, as a kid, there's some like visceral moments, which as I was making my list, I just was taken by how many of such moments have stayed with me, you know, as an adult. Uh, but Lucky, the puppy, not making it, but then making it. Cruella, mad driving. Like, these are indelible images oh, yeah. from childhood that I can never shake off. But watching it again in preparation of this of this list, it, I don't know. I was just so struck by how beautiful the animation is, hand-drawn, how quiet the movie is. And it's sort of interesting to compare this with all the you know, uh, versions of Cruella mm -hmm. and this movie itself, which are quite manic and loud versus this movie just feels so quiet and you're in the breadth of the character and, and the story and you're transported back to London. Um, and when you do that, every single, you know, little moment, every single expression on the dog's face or the dog's going to make it or not, the, the puppies have been kidnapped and all these different emotions are so heightened, I, I thought, because of the way the movie is staged. Um, but yeah, I think the movie is just so adorable. Uh, the animation is so great. Me and my sister, we had like a little stuffed animal dog. Uh, we named him Pongo. It was a Dalmatian oh, cool. puppy. So, and this is, you know, like I said, we didn't have a dog for the longest time. So I think this movie in many ways for me was a little bit living vicariously through the movie and just mm. imagining that if we had 
you know, a dog or maybe a bunch of dogs just showed up somehow and <laughs> just the way the movie ends where yeah. they're like, you know, 101 dogs in, in their bedroom. And I still remember my dad would just like walk out of the room when that scene would come. He's like, this is never, this could never happen. Like 101, <laughs> can you imagine so many dogs in one house? This would be a nightmare. And we would be like, sounds pretty great, actually. Yeah, it's like your dream, his nightmare, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now I would say my nightmare too, actually. Because uh, watching yeah. it again, I was like, oh, hell no. I mean, yeah. what's going to happen? This yeah. is ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I think... It, it's a, it's a sweet movie uh, and has sort of lived with me through all this time. The one kind of deeper thing that I was thinking about, and I haven't fully formed my thought on this one, but in many ways, to me, Cruella and her ambitions, if if you were to think about it in a different way, perhaps represents how some people can almost be like selfishly possessive about dogs in mm-hmm. a way that they almost sort of own them. And they are off them, if you will, as opposed to, you know, making a family with them where they are individual people who are part of your, your, your life and your family. And maybe that's what the movie is trying to say, that there are different kinds of people who have different associations and, and quote unquote love and fascination with these beautiful animals. And it sort of shows you what that can do. Because, you know, this is true in, in human relationships too, that you're the line between love that's constructive and destructive is pretty thin. You know, if you kind of go to the other side, things sort of go or get out of hand. And maybe that's what this movie is really getting at. Um, So yeah, that's my number three, 101 Dalmatians. Nice. Yeah. Definitely a a true Disney classic. So I had seen this film as a kid um, Mm -hmm. a lot of times on the Disney channel and on VHS tape. It was never one of my favorite Disney films. And actually, I haven't probably seen it in 30 years. I mean, it was actually very interesting rewatching it because you said, you know, memories that you had had of this movie that stuck with you forever. For me, it was more like buried memories. Like I'd watch it and be like, oh my God, I I remember this. Like it was like a fever dream of like waking up Mm -hmm. from being like, oh my God. Yeah, of course. Like the moment you called out for sure. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This, it was like, I was remembering the movie as I was watching it, which is kind of an mm-hmm. interesting uh, experience. And it, you know, it's, it's still a, a quiet film. Like you said, it's kind of simple, but a simple story done very well. Right. Um, I like how the dogs are the main characters. Like you start in on the film and it's narration. And you're thinking, oh, this is like the owner of the dog. And then you can beat the dogs. Like, no, that's like Pongo's narration. Right. And the entire movie is mainly through their point of view and their yeah. world. And that was something that was always so cool as a kid too, that like you're, you're, you're in with the, the pack of like these dogs and like you get right. to know what they do and they're the ones with the personalities and the humans are more like the pets. I think they yeah. even call them their pets. They even call them pets. That's yeah, right, they do. For a minute, I was sort of watching this. I was like, wait, who is Roger? Is yeah. that the man or the dog? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought that that was really cool. Um, and like you said, Cruella is like just the animation on that character is so incredible. Um, definitely an um, incredible uh, villain and no wonder she uh. is still like stands out um, even in a way like above this film you know in, in the mm-hmm. remake that they made uh, with Glenn Close it was more around definitely Cruella and then she got her own movie recently it's like mm-hmm. she is so um, important in like the Disney villain uh, you know pantheon um, and it's definitely you go back to this film and you can see that um, but it's not just her I mean I do think the yeah. rest of the movie like my favorite character ironically enough in a movie with 101 Dalmatians was a cat the cat was freaking hilarious. That was like helping them in the uh, in like the town in the house, like rescue all the puppies. Cat the was sergeant. Great. Yeah, 
So, so funny. Um, so funny. so I, I like that dynamic. You know, you've interesting too, you bring up the animation style. Cause actually like for me, it was the reason um, that I just never go back to this film very much. I don't like, this is like the beginning of a period in Disney animation, which I'm a huge fan of, of mm. Disney animation where they use this Xerox process um, mm. where they kind of skip the inking phase and would Xerox the pencils um, to then create the animation. And, and they kind of got rid of the, the inking process. It was a cheaper process. You know, Sleeping Beauty had just come out before this movie, which is my favorite Disney film, but a giant Definitely. bomb for the studio and almost brought them under. So they had to like cut costs. And this movie did, was a big hit um, and kind of brought, saved Disney animation. Uh, but through that style, which then was continued on in the 60s and the 70s and really not actually not until the Disney, Disney Renaissance. So they kind of get rid of it. I was kind of turned off by all of those films because of that style. Just never really landed much with me. Um, but yeah, it was really fun to rewatch this. Like I said, just a very enjoyable movie. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, in the end too, I was kind of like, wow, this is so cool. But I was like, wait a second, like 101 dogs, like what are they really going to do? But you don't really think about that as a kid. It's more just no. like a, like a cool, cool thing. So definitely <laughs> this, you know, a movie that uh, it's, it is a Disney classic and it, you know, watching it again, just proves that if folks I haven't agree. seen it, definitely recommend it. Totally. And actually on the animation point, that's, I, I didn't mention this, but I watched my memory of watching this as a move, this movie as a child was, oh, the animation is kind of very dark. Hmm. Um, but maybe the version that I watch now is just like restored or recolored or what have you, but it felt a lot brighter. Well, um, in the German way. version might've been more like German expressionist or something. Possible. Was it, you know, very, uh, <laughs> possible it's like yeah. <laughs> did, did, you, did you know german at all a little bit okay okay so it wasn't like you're watching a movie where you have no idea what's going on but that, that's kind of fun actually to watch a movie about animals where you actually can't understand them so it is more like real life in a sense like dogs do have communicate <laughs> to each other in different ways i mean it's not as vocal but you know humans don't know what they're doing no. so it's sort of you got to experience this movie as if you were a human watching a bunch of dogs you're like i don't know what's going on but i but i love that dog you know that's cool <laughs> yeah and plus you know it's great storytelling so even if you don't understand the word you sort of you follow along that's, that's just true how you know most disney movies if well done are but but yeah i actually it's funny you say this because yeah sleeping beauty is just so incredible and then the sleeping sorry uh the more modern versions starting uh from the 80s and such are also so bright and this kind of this interesting kind of more dull i don't know about the inking process part that you talked about but now that you say it it's quite visible but i think it suits this movie mm -hmm. it's tonality mm -hmm. You know, I, I need to watch other movies from this era to kind of have a full perspective on it. But th this movie sort of has a bit of a melancholic, macabre sort of undertone it to it. I always remember this from a childhood time, too, that this movie was kind of dark. I, I wasn't always just putting this VHS tape in to be in a happy, you know, joyous mood. It had to be a different kind of a headspace to watch this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that is true. I don't really know what the vibe is but it's it is like there is a bit of an uh, a darker or somber yeah. vibe i mean maybe it's just the plot of a woman who wants to kill puppies and make a coat i mean that's pretty dark anyway but uh, yeah that's a good point yeah. there's that a little sort of loneliness i think in the movie um especially mm. as the movie starts like roger's apartment is just like basically a, a homeless not i shouldn't say homeless but because he has a home right. uh but like a hoarder's apartment basically yeah. it's like he's pretty a mess bad uh yeah um anyway so that's what's your number three <laughs> great um so to uh 
It's also I I um, I think this was a this was a Disney movie as well, but live action. Um, White Fang from 1991. Uh, so this is directed by Randall Kleiser. Uh, Ethan Hawke uh, starred in it, along with Jed, who played the dog. Um, the dog actually was uh, also in The Thing. Um, he played the, so he was a pretty famous uh, dog actor of the time. Uh, the IMDb plot summary is Jack London's classic adventure story about the friendship developed between a Yukon gold hunter and a mixed dog wolf he rescues from the hands of a man who mistreats him. Now, this is a film uh, for me that really helped, similar to what you were talking about with 101 Dalmatians, uh, helped me really identify with the dog and really give the dog as much of an importance in this film as the human characters did. The dog isn't just a pet or an extension of something the humans are trying to do. The dog has agency. The dog has his own uh, personality uh, and thrust to the plot. He's just as much of a main character. And it really helped me realize that, you know, we're all animals. Um, humans are animals. Dogs are animals. Um, and they were all kind of on that on that same level. Um, it also was a movie, you know, plot summary mentioned, you know, based on a Jack London story, um, which this movie actually inspired me as a young kid when I saw this to read a lot of Jack London. And a lot of his stories are with the dogs as the center character, you know, White Fang, which this movie takes a lot of liberties with, not nothing like the book. The dog is more of the main character in the book. Um, and then Call the Wild and all this about what, you know, the dog is given an inner monologue. The dog's thinking about how they relate to society that is um, like human society versus animal society and it's a lot about their place just in the ecosystem and in the world and i think this movie at least the dog scenes do a very good job of that you know there's the beginning of the movie there are no humans in it um, when you see white fang as a puppy um, it's shot sort of like a nature documentary where yeah. the dogs exist on their own there are no humans there the dogs are just living and surviving you know they're not seen as pets or seen as any relation to humans, they exist completely separate, much like dogs did, you know, thousands of years ago when they were uh, before, you know, we kind of became man's best friend. Um, so I really kind of identified this. I mean, I think um, identified with that. And then the human comes into it too. And there's a lot of, you know, interactions between uh, Ethan Hawke's character and White Fang. Um, you know, White Fang, though, again, is not I don't really see, think this movie treats him as a pet to Ethan Hawke. Mm -hmm. He's just more, they're more like co-leads. You know, White Fang's got his own story arc and so do Ethan Hawke. And it's interesting, again, the Ethan Hawke character is, is not in the book. Um, it's interesting what they do with this character too, where it's like Ethan Hawke is coming from civilization into the wild. And in the end, he chooses to stay in the wild. And this is what he likes. And this is what he, how he feels um, at home. And White Fang is coming from the wild into then human civilization. And in the end, he realizes he wants to stay with, with Ethan Hawke and wants to stay in civilization as opposed to go back into uh, the Yukon. Um, and uh, I, I think I just always like that, um, that parallel there. And, and, and really uh, to me, like, again, the, the big takeaway and the, something that really did leave an impression on me when I saw this as a kid in the theater. And then a couple times on TV and VHS was the fact that, um, you know, the animals are, um, animals are human too, in a way, um, you know, we have this idea now of, uh, the, I don't know if you've heard of like the Bechdel test, which is right. something uh, for female characters where they're female characters in a film. And um, the test is, do they talk amongst themselves and talk about things that are not men? And I think what this movie does so well, it's like a Bechdel test for dogs in a way, like White Fang's, a lot of his adventures, a lot of what happens to him really has nothing to do with humans. He has his own agency. And that is really what, how I looked at dogs. Um, when I got my dog um, growing up and, and I have my dog now, I really do don't feel like they're pets. You know, you were talking about it earlier with 101 Dalmatians too. Like they're part of, 
you know, of the family. And, and they're really, uh, you know, we're just different animals. We coexist on the same level. Um, yeah. Upon rewatch, I mean, the movie is not great. I, I wouldn't say this is a great movie or even adaptation of White Fang. I and mean, when I went off and read the book as a kid, I'm like, wow, this book is so much better than that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie, again, didn't leave an uh, impression on me. And I, I did get a lot of those same themes after, after watching this, which I had not seen in 30 years of this film. And, you know, again, I don't think it really holds up as a film, but these themes still do come across. And it's something that really impacted me a lot um, as a kid. And then also now just with animals in general, but specifically dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I never watched this movie before. I think I'd heard of it. So it was good to kind of watch this movie. I actually quite enjoyed it. Maybe I went in with tempered expectations Mm -hmm. and, you know, the movie drags and such and various places, but it, it's actually made quite beautifully in many ways. Like the, the scale of the movie, you are transported to this beautiful place, Alaska and what have you. Uh, it's shot pretty well. Um, and yeah, like it actually is. Scenes are quite compelling. So I, I thought it was actually quite good uh, in many ways. Um, but yeah, the piece that you talked about really struck me as well, that dogs have their own agency in this movie. Mm-hmm. And you really see kind of, the challenging, the challenges that come up with these two beings coming together. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of drama that happens where, you know, wolves are attacking humans and then humans are attacking them and people are getting shot and killed and wounded and what have you. There's like a lot of tension that happens. So you kind of, by the end of the movie, this relationship between these two equals feels mm-hmm. very earned uh, to me, as opposed to just man coming in and saying, oh, you know, I'm going to buy you from the shop and you're right. going to be now my pet. No, it's not that. Like, it, this relationship is really earned. Um, and I can only imagine how much better and vivid the book might have been uh, the way you're describing it. So maybe I'll read this book at some point, but, and it was fun to watch Ethan Hawke young, you know, in that <laughs> time frame. he's just so great. And you can still see all his mannerisms and cheekiness and all of it. Very, very apparent at that young age as well. So yeah. it was fun to see that. Yeah. It was, it was, now I'm bringing an Ethan Hawke movie in here. I feel like you've done that a couple of times in the podcast. Now, you know, now this is mine. Um, but yeah, I think he did a great job. And again, that dog actor, I think, is fantastic as well. And I also thought it was interesting in the beginning of the film when they had the no animals or the big message before the movie even starts, like right. all the animals are actors, nothing, you know, no animals were harmed. No one was in harm's way, which it's nice to see because there's, you know, a scene with the when he fights like a bear. And I'm like, how is the bear actor doing this? How is the dog doing this? Like, this is just amazing. Amazing. Um, you know, definitely not a, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Milo, Milo and Otis. Um, don't watch it uh, and for anyone at home if you love that movie listening do not go on the Wikipedia page and read about how this movie was made uh, this this movie though I think is a, a response to that in terms of like everything is fine animals are fine um, but uh, yeah I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it I mean I think the strengths of this film like you said are just it's great cinematography all mm-hmm. natural occasions in the Yukon really does transport you to that time period um, but yeah still I think it's kind of average to, to middling yeah overall but you know glad, glad glad you enjoyed it yeah um oh, okay number two for you number two for me is beethoven from 1992 um starring charles gordon uh who passed recently i believe yes uh bonnie hunt dean jones directed by brian levant 
written by John Hughes and Amy Holden Jones. And the quick logline is, a slobbering St. Bernard becomes a center of attention for a loving family, but must contend with a dog napping uh, veterinarian and his henchmen. So I watched this movie pretty much when it came out. So I must have been kind of, you know, early teens, I think at that time. To me, this movie, kind of mimic sort of my own life in many ways, like I said, where my dad was not really a dog person. Uh, yeah. He kind of came around and once we had Bruno, he was the one who was taking him for walks. He was the <laughs> one who was getting all his food and everything and, you know, complaining, but also loving him. And then, you know, once we had to say goodbye to Bruno, um, he was the one who was, you know, we were all gutted, obviously, but so was him. So I think this movie was special when I watched it because at that time it was just, you know, laughing at my dad saying that, oh my gosh, this is all <laughs> happening, you know, on screen. Yeah. Oh, could we somehow get this dog? But as time has gone by, this movie has developed even more significance with me because of sort of how things turn out because we did get a dog and my mm -hmm. dad had this journey. But aside from that, I think this movie, it's to me is sort of 90s, suburban joy bliss movie where you know every most things are happy and you know the stakes are pretty low for the most part until they do become high towards the end of the movie oh, yeah. but um but i don't know it's i was thinking about watch re-watching this movie as to how sincere and earnest this movie is and you couldn't make a movie like this now for whatever reason wherever we are at as a society and people that something has to be edgy and something has to be that which i'm for as well but I think it really struck me as to how sweet this movie is and maybe even corny at times, but it works. And maybe I'm biased because I have memories of this movie. I was mm -hmm. like, you were saying, I've not watched this movie in, I don't know, 25, 30 years, but I was surprised by how much I remembered scene by scene looks and lines and music drops. I remembered everything. So it just tells you, you know, literally movie shape lives. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just a joy visiting, revisiting this movie, but a couple of stat kind of standing out things for me. I think mm -hmm. the dog montage or Beethoven's montage of him growing up and all the ruckus he's causing and how the family's adjusting around him and, and such, it's just so fun to watch. So beautifully shot from the dog's point of view. Um, and you know, to me, the, the other thing the standard is that how Beethoven kind of owns the house and mm -hmm. owns the town. He's like the mayor, essentially. <laughs> Walks around, obviously always eating at all times. Right. Um, and then I, I love how the dog like gently understands every human's predicament and, and is so perceptive and kind of gently pushes them to get higher confidence or helps them in ways that just is so sweet to me. And and I've had versions of that, you know, Bruno, when, if I was in pain or somebody was in a bad mood, he would do things like that. You know, he would show up and bring a little toy or just be really perceptive and sweet. Of course, this is a movie, so it's heightened, but right. I think that really comes across like by the, and that has to work, you know, for you to kind of be at the edge of your seat when all the bad stuff is happening in the third act of the movie where, mm -hmm you know, Bruno, uh, not Bruno, sorry, Beethoven is being framed and might be put down and this horrible vet and everything that's happening yeah. with him. Oh my gosh. 
like for that to land on you the the previous half of the movie has to work mm-hmm. uh and i think it really does um this movie forever has left like a slight doubt in my mind about vets that what if they are terrible and they hurt my dog in some way and it's because of this movie so yeah i just think it's it's such a sweet movie um about a dog and and like you said again this is not a movie where this dog was kind of bought right you know this dog magically appears and mm-hmm. that's another thing which me and my sister would talk about that what if a dog just walked in somehow and my mom and i we would like laugh about that and just <laughs> you know imagine how fun life would be and then it's a negotiation of this relationship especially between the father character and the dog like it's not mm-hmm. all hunky dory from the beginning and it's it takes a bit to kind of form that bond form that relationship and it still tears me up at the end when the father is there at, at the vet's office and is convinced that he needs to be put down and yeah. is sort of holding him and crying and it still gets me and then the last thing i would say is that you know this movie could have been very simple and just very surface level and in some ways it is but i think there's a lot there's a little bit of depth to it too that's happening where the struggle between the dad wanting to be you know more successful in life mm-hmm. this debate about should the mother go back to the workforce um how what the challenges of you know success versus family and what's at stake and in this time in the 90s you know how are couples and and families negotiating the power dynamics between them and their gentle nods to that which they didn't have to do all but i think that's what john hughes does you know mm-hmm. his movies are you know if you want to take him on the surface level you can and that'll be fun and happy and entertaining but there's always some real life depth to it and that's what this movie comes across as three dimensional even though mm-hmm. it's a very simple story um and then yeah i was looking at the imdb uh box office of this this movie we've been talking a lot about simple movies or movies of that like they don't make him like this anymore yeah. this movie made like 150 million dollars something like that huge hit yeah crazy yeah. um so so yeah that's my number 2 beethoven will always be in my heart um and my love for big giant dogs uh, <laughs> yeah this um i had a very similar reaction to you when i was i so i should say like i watched this as a kid saw it in the theater at least once maybe twice um and definitely like on vhs you know when it came out which i think was 91 you said so i was like 10 or so um yeah. when this when this movie came out um but i hadn't seen it in i mean 30 years right uh, yeah. and rewatching it the same reaction as you like what, like literally every scene i remember every i was like how do i remember beethoven like this like i just hadn't i hadn't seen the movie in this long and it it was i must have watched it so many times That's but it, it had such yeah. an indelible impression on me um so that was definitely surprising it was also interesting too like watching this movie as an adult now and as someone who has been a dog owner too that the movie is basically about Charles Grodin and the dog like oh, the yeah. family are not really much of a thing like they wrap up the storylines of like oh the daughter wants to date a girl or not a girl a guy and yeah. beethoven helps him do that it's like in the first 20 minutes like all the kids storylines are wrapped up the wife is literally like a non entity in the film um yeah. it's really about grodin and as a kid i i didn't i mean i love charles grodin as a kid and thought he was funny but i just i guess you sort of identify with the kids cuz you're a kid and you sort of don't realize this entire movie is basically a, a charles grodin vehicle along with a dog 
I mean, it's really about, he's the one who has the story arc yeah. of, oh, this dog's so annoying. He's, you know, I have to take care of it. And then at the end, he does love the dog. Um, in that scene that you mentioned, which is very sad when he thinks he has to put Beethoven down and he's saying goodbye to him and sort of saying, look, like, I know we had some hard times there, but, you know, I really did love you this whole time. And, you know, this is really hard for me to do, but I have to do it, you know, to protect my family, which is what, because he thought the dog was crazy. And, and that's why, you know, there was a situation where we put the dog down. Um, so, and I think he, he really carries the movie um, for sure. Like Grodin does. Um, and it's, and it's interesting too, like now as a dog owner, just seeing like how poorly behaved this dog was and how they had no idea of how to train it, how to oh do, like, you, you cannot have a dog act like this. Like, I was like, how can they, like, I get it's like funny and, and like, you know, a comedy, obviously. So the dog has to be misbehaved. It's like, you shouldn't have your dog go through the garbage or do this or do this. It's yeah, like, why is the dog in the bedroom? Why is the dog, yeah. you know, all these places. Right. That- yeah, it's, it's like, but you know, as a, fault, not the dog's fault. No, no, not at all. The dog's yeah. fault. No, the dog doesn't know any better. The dog yeah. needs to have those boundaries set. Um, and you know, it's very dog training is you know, as an owner now is incredibly important. Discipline. They need a pack leader. They need someone to set guidelines and boundaries. Mm-hmm. And they want to be trained and want to be told, don't do that. Do this instead. Um, and definitely, you know, not anything you ever think about as a kid, but I'm like, wow, this movie should never be used as like a guide to how to have a dog. Um, and then uh, it's interesting you mentioned that too about the vet because I, again, had forgotten the plot of this movie. But then once I started watching it, I remember that. And I looked it up actually on Wikipedia afterwards that, you know, the Veterinary Association of America, because spoiler alert, <clears throat> the vet is the villain in the film. Um, and he kidnaps dogs and basically tortures them for medical experiments. Mm-hmm. The, the American Vet Association was very upset by this movie and oh, like, wow. you know, protesting it because you're basically painting a negative opinion of vets. And it was funny when I was like, huh, I never had like it never that impression was never left on me. So it's interesting that you it was actually it did affect you um, in a way that is uh, even to this day, you have a little bit of skepticism about veteran vets. Um, and that actor does such an incredible job too of doing like the, Oh, everything, you know, I'm a nice guy. And then actually like, I'm super evil. Like he's like going to shoot bait. The plot of the movie is basically, he's going to shoot Beethoven in the head to test a new bullet and how like it, it, you know, what it does to brain tissue. Like that is horrifying. And to put that in a kid's movie and as a kid, it's like, you don't really necessarily even think about as, as, you know, that wasn't, didn't leave a scar and impression on me, but as an adult looking at them, I'm like, oh my God, like talk about, they would never put that in a movie today. I feel like that would be a studio note immediately. It's like, we can't have the villain like shooting the dog hero in the head. And that's like the climactic scene when they have to save like, like, whoa, like how did that even make it, you know, into in a movie in 91? Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I do think this, um, this movie did, uh, you know, still is fun. I mean, it's, it's very, um, not like pejorative, but it's very silly and dumb. Like yeah. it's, it's not, you know, it's very straightforward, a lot of slapstick humor, but very funny. Um, I think the movie still holds up. I mean, I haven't, I saw the sequel in theaters, I remember. And then now there's like four or five direct video versions of it that I, you know, I'd never seen those, but I remember liking the sequel too, as a kid, you know, I guess there's like a female Beethoven or something in, in that one, if I remember oh, the poster, right. correct. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you know, they always have to bring in the female. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh yeah, no, I enjoyable movie. I almost did put this one on my list, even though I haven't seen it in 30 years. I'm like, no, Beethoven, like that's the dog movie that I, you know, that I think of a lot. And then when I saw it in yours, I'm like, okay, that'll be like my, uh, didn't make it. Uh, but it was fun to rewatch um, and just realize like how much uh, I remember from this thing from my childhood. It was weird. Again, kind of like 101 Dalmatians, almost like a fever dream watching this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but but I fun. Think going to have a lot of that with these movies and see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do want to say about the family and I mean to me I think yeah, you're right. They don't have an arc or anything which as you know, you I don't care about those things that much anyway. Right. I know you do. Yeah. Um for me I think that is very important because we as an audience will not fall in love with the dog and we would not be rooting for anything if the dog and the rest of the family doesn't fall in love the way they do like we right, have right. to see what this dog does to this family and we also have to see the father see that how right, much the right. dog means to everybody and what an you know important thing he's done for all of them we have to see that uh, otherwise the movie just completely falls apart so so yeah they might be you know window dressing in some ways but i i think without that the movie is nothing you know leaving aside of course the fun jokes and the right. fun slapstick fun right. part but from a story standpoint i think that's pretty important and so is the case with the mother cuz ultimately yeah she doesn't have much to do but that one line that she gets where she's like you know while you chasing your dream your family is going down the drain or what have you mm-hmm. while he's interested in pursuing this whole thing with this with David Duchovny I'm like yeah. gosh I've forgotten that you're oh, yeah. in this but you are yeah. and you're horrible and super weaselly and you know slimy <laughs> but yeah but that's important I think that's an important tension point in the movie so yeah yeah no th- though again I will give uh, Grodin more credit than the screen I think the screenplay yes. does a disservice to the the characters and if it Grodin's part is not really well written I think If no. you look at it like he though is bringing so much to that role and and his yeah. acting chops of playing this sort of like beleaguered dad who then reluctantly falls in love with this dog I mean that is the that is the meat of the of the story it's about him accepting a dog into um into uh, his life and into his heart um yeah. and the script I just don't think does a very good job of selling that and if it wasn't Grodin I just don't think this movie would be as successful um as it ended up being i think just his performance and what he mm-hmm. brings to that part which i again is i don't think is that well written is is what makes the movie uh enjoyable and again i wouldn't have thought about that when as a kid but like now watching it's like oh the movie works because of grodin like what he's bringing to this thing is uh yeah. is like that's the love that i buy like the kids is just sort of like oh cool a dog this is fun um and then again i think the bonnie hunt is more of just playing the housewife but Grodin like you see the struggles that he's under you see and even that t- it is hard for him to have that tension point of like oh my gosh I have to take this dog and put him down but and the only thing that that uh, you know once he crosses the line of endangering his family then mm-hmm. he actually becomes that protective father and that's the growth for him because i think mm-hmm. he's disregarded his family as Bonnie Hunt said for his own career and i think this right. moment where now his family is threatened by this outside force of the dog or thinks is threatened that's when he actually becomes a real dad for his family and does something incredibly hard that he doesn't even want to do but for the good of the family i think that is the big turning point for him when he makes that that choice of like no we have to the dog's got to go i'm sorry like you can't like attack my family or so he thinks again beethoven is innocent you know he's a he's a sweetie uh, but but i think that that's the moment where he becomes a real dad and i think that's that arc that um he sells so well it just yeah. uh definitely recommend beethoven uh for all those folks who haven't seen it um though odd that uh, they don't put a lot of beethoven's music in this movie i thought that was odd too even the score which i remember like that theme too i was like oh my god the beethoven theme and i was thinking like was this a riff on any piece of beethoven was like no total like you think they would use a little bit of like beethoven especially considering the music's uh, you know in the public domain I thought that was a little odd 
uh, as an adult looking back at it. But yeah, that score, I was like, oh my God, the Beethoven music. Like I haven't heard that in 30 years, but I know exactly what that's from. It's a fun song. It a little bit when he's being named, but that's right, it. right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'm glad actually, because I think it it feels very purposeful, you know, as opposed to just like putting Beethoven soundtrack all over yeah. the place. It'll just I don't know, it'll be odd. And yeah, cheap. I just yeah, I just was expecting that for some reason. Now as an adult and a fan of Beethoven's music, be like, oh, there's gonna be a lot of Beethoven in this. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, it's a great uh, great film, really fun. I'm glad you put this on here, and I fun <laughs> to rewatch it. Cool. All right. What's your next? Um, so my number two is uh, Best in Show. Came out in 2000, uh, directed by Christopher Guest, starring Fred Willard, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Michael McKeon, Christopher Guest himself, and a, and a bunch of other folks from you know, Christopher Guest's you know, uh, usual cast from his films. Um, the plot summary is a behind-the-scenes look into the highly competitive and cutthroat world of dog shows through the eyes of a group of ruthless dog owners. Um, so this is a film I saw in 2000 when it came out. I'm a huge Christopher Guest fan. Um, so see all of his films. I saw this one uh, opening weekend and really loved it. And I think what for me this does is really, um, it's a movie about owning a dog and dog owners and how the dog can match the owner or be sort of like a, um, the parts of yourself, good or bad. Um, get kind of heightened through your dog and through the love of your dog. So I had not owned a dog um, in, in uh, at this time when I saw this film, I mean, my family dog growing up was, she was still alive, but you know, as a kid, it's very different having a a dog in the family as a child where like the parents are taking care of it. Um, You're not really the owner in the same way of actually having a dog, you know, with like my dog now, Oscar, it's a different relationship that you have as a dog owner. What I think this movie does so well is to show each of these characters, these crazy characters um, who are taking their dogs, each of their dogs to be shown in like a Westminster type dog show is the plot of, of the film there. Um, and it just seeing each of these crazy characters and how the dogs bring out different parts of their personalities, again, for, for better or for worse. Um, there's a couple who is always fighting um, and very high strung. And there's a scene where the dog, um, or they lose a dog toy, like a, a busy bee dog toy that they think the dog likes. And the dog, like, as you see the dog in the scene, like dog, he doesn't care. Like, it's like, whatever the toys got, but they are freaking out, screaming at each other, having to run around and try to find like where we we need to find another bee toy because the dog really cares about this. The dog doesn't care about this at all. Um, It's just, it's like the dog is sort of this uh, way for them to siphon the negative, uh, their negative um, relationship feelings that they have between each other, basically. Um, And then Eugene Levy, whose dog wins the show at the end, um, mm-hmm. is a very like kind of put upon meek and kind of mild mannered guy um, whose wife, Catherine O'Hara, is, you know, always kind of like embarrassing him and, and steamrolling over him. And when that dog wins in the end, I think it's giving him that confidence that that he kind of needs and, and feels. Um, and again, so it's like the dog is kind of helping give him a little bit of that. Um, but, you know, also this dog, this movie is just in- incredibly funny. Um, you know, Jane Lynch and Fred Willard, especially Jane Lynch. I mean, this movie made her into a star. Um, she's hilarious in this and has had a long career after really because of how she, you know, performed so well in this movie. Um, a lot of really funny scenes, but I think there's a lot of things where I remember thinking when I saw this, like, well, what kind of dog owner am I going to be whenever I do own a dog at some point, because I knew I'm, I'm going to want to have one. Um, and I do feel that, you know, your dog does match the owners do match the dogs for better or for worse. And I think 
that's what this movie just exemplifies so well beyond being like, I think Christopher Guest's funniest film and just a, you know, really, really funny movie for the humans. Um, it's not really about the dogs. It's like I said, it's a lot more about the owners, but it's a movie right. that I still think uh, is very funny. Watch it every couple of years. It's really fun to rewatch for, for this, uh, this podcast. Yeah, no, I agree. This is, I think, Christopher Guest's best in my mind as well. I, I, I obviously not watched it earlier when probably you watched it, but watched mm-hmm. it maybe the first time a few years ago. And then I watched it since a few yeah. more times and hilarious, love it. And yeah, that is the big takeaway. Um, I would just build on that and say that how, and you see this in real life too, that humans start looking like their dogs oh, at yeah. a point in time, which is just so hilarious to me, but so yeah. true. And this is true in this movie as well at all levels, like emotionally, behaviorally as well in some ways, perhaps. So yeah, just absolutely love this movie heightened. I love the whole, the whole competition element as like another layer to it, mm-hmm. which kind of takes it to a different place where how, you know, dog parents can get pretty competitive with their dogs. For right? sure. Uh, it doesn't have to be a dog show, but just even in real life that my dog is the cutest or my dog does this and, you know, is the best trained or blah, blah, blah. So there's like this constant competition happening in real life. And so that's fun to see as well. Um, and then not to mention, like you said, all the different weird characters that show up and that's classic Christopher Guest, right? All these people... I'm always like, where have you plucked these people from? Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're just, you know, but it's the same gang. I just love this whole idea in his movies of this company of actors, you know, mm-hmm. they know they're so comfortable with each other. They have their shot hat. It sort of feels like this, you know, low budget, which it probably is, but, you know, like a play like production where they all just gathered and Christopher Guest said that, okay, today you're going to be this. Right. And this person just like enters the body of this weird character and they are that person for their entire day. That's what the movie feels like. So I don't know. I just love imagining how fun would it would it have been to make something like this? You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I love this movie. It was great to see it on your list. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, you're talking about the dogs exemplifying the owners. It reminds me of the opening scenes of 101 Dalmatians where Pongo's kind of looking out and you see like, there's the bulldog and he kind of looks like that yeah. and the owner walking him. It's exactly. like, they took that concept and now just made a movie about it um, where the dogs are just very like tertiary characters. Like they're not, they're not, it's really about the humans. And I even imagine like if dogs were to see this movie, they would get enjoyment out of it too. Cause I'm sure they make fun of how silly <laughs> their owners are. Cause like you said, you know, you go to a dog park and there is a little bit of that, like, Oh, like, are, are you a good dog owner? Like my dog's better than your dog. And I get the sense the dogs are just like, we don't care. Like, we just want to play. Like you guys can do your little, like, you know, um, you know, I'm pompous sort of like, who's the best. We, they're not into that. So they're almost like laughing at us too. I feel like this would be a movie that if a dog were to make a movie about humans, I think they would do this and just, just be mocking how silly we are. Um, uh, Cause they don't, they don't care as shown in this movie too. So, so often like the dogs are just sort of like, look like, yeah, we'll go on the show. Like we don't care who wins. Like we'll just kind of sit here. Um, and the humans are the ones freaking out all the time. So uh, I think, yeah, definitely agree with that. Like, like a movie concept here, kind of best in show, but really it's about dog owners. Yeah. <laughs> are the ones competing in the show. Oh and yeah. The dogs are, reluctant judges yeah really care but you know because it's a movie we're going to make them care so I, I think there's something here oh there's a big animated film get illumination on that it's like you flip it where like the dogs are the judges and they're yeah. huh 
Okay, maybe we should cut this part out so someone doesn't steal this idea because this is, I mean, this could be the next big dog hit movie. Um, but cool. I'm gl glad, uh, glad you enjoyed the rewatch on it. Cool. So, okay, my number one is this movie called Marley and Me from 2008, starring Owen Wilson, Jennifer Aniston, directed by David Frankel. And the logline is a family learns important life lessons from their adorable but naughty and neurotic dog. This movie has like a special place in my heart only because like I said, Bruno is a golden lab as well. And so is Marley. We mm -hmm. watched this movie way before I think we got a dog, um, but it did overlap, I think, in our rewatches of when mm -hmm. we finally had Bruno. But to me, kind of this movie, the Tim, Thematically as to why I put this on here is that it represents two things. One, dogs are a handful, you know, of all the adorable things that we talk about them and how much we love them. It is, it is a lot of work. And I think this movie really gets at that. But then the bigger theme to me is like, like we've been saying, dogs are true partners in your life. And I don't think I've seen a movie. I'm sure there's one out there which kind of really shows the entire lifespan of Owen Wilson and the family's life mm. uh, and what kind of a role Marley plays from his early days to when this family's all grown up and settled through moves and kids and relationships and jobs and everything. If there is one constant, it is this dog. And we've been talking a lot about you know, the hero and the relationship with that hero with the dog. This is really a love story, if you will, between Owen Wilson and Marley. Everybody else is sort of, in a way, tertiary to that. But I think th the reason why this movie rings true is that there's more to it. Um, you see the dog struggling and loving other people in their life as well. Like I love the diff how Jennifer Aniston, who's like a new person entering this pack, mm -hmm how they show that relationship develop where there's a lot of struggle where she's trying to manage home and babies and everything and moves and Marley is being Marley being super annoying and demanding but then there's also tenderness and love between them and how Marley stands up and helps and supports while also being very annoying and very demanding and challenging I think that's pretty beautiful um, so yeah, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't call this like a great movie by any means, but I just think it has personal relevance to me for those reasons, because uh, it just shows a full life. Um, and some of the scenes that I still think of, you know, when they're going on vacation and talking to the dog sitter and giving her things to do and take oh, right. care of the dog and what a train wreck that ends up being. I always think of that. I always think of the scene when they're at the dog trainer in the park somewhere oh, wow. and how poorly that goes. Um, Jen struggling with the baby and, and Marley comforting her later. I always think of that. Um, and then, of course, you know, the final scenes of when they're sitting at the beach, um, Owen Wilson and, and Marley, and then finally when he has to be put down, um, I'm a total mess at that scene, even though I know what's coming. I've watched that scene a million times, but it's just, just so sad because it's probably the truest relationship you can have in your life in a way. And there's so much said in the unsaid between these two people that 
you really see that Owen Wilson has not shared those things even with Jen and they have a great marriage and, and everything, but, but it's just a special bond that you, you form with your dog. Um, so yeah, I, I do love this movie and, and it has actually pretty good performances again for there not being much on the page in terms of depth. I think Owen Wilson really brings a lot Jennifer Aniston that I'm sort of, you know, okay on. I think she's actually pretty good in this movie um, and it's kind of rounds off the family and has her own kind of struggle and art that like I was saying about earlier as well. So yeah, that's my number one, Marley and me. Yeah, so I had been, uh, I'd not seen this movie before the podcast. I'd actually been um, avoiding this movie knowing that the dog right. dies in the end. It's like, I don't need to see that. I, this is going to be, you know, hard. I don't want to, I don't want to see that. Um, so this podcast finally had me watch Marley and me. Um, it was, this movie, I, it was interesting. I have a lot of um, different reactions to it. Um, the, the first thing was just, I was surprised, I guess, that uh, the movie was so much about just Owen Wilson's life and every like, kind of like you were saying too, like a lot, even Jennifer Aniston, his kids, Marley, it's like, they all seem to be, um, like outside of what the main thread was, which is how his life was going. Um, and it was interesting too, how his life was sort of like, he didn't really seem to have a lot of control over it. It was Jennifer Anderson comes in. She's like, Hey, I have a checklist of everything that I want to do. We get married at this age. We have kids at this age. And then we need the house and we need the job. And it's just like this checklist, which is, he just sort of then has kind of gets plugged into her plan and just sort of like then drifts through this life that I feel like he, isn't really getting the most out of like, I don't get the sense from him that like, he's making choices with like, Oh, well, you know, I'm have to grow up. So therefore like, I'm going to do this. Cause that's what it's like being an adult. It, he just seems like um, this list, 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 there's a word like, uh, you know, 30 year old though. Yeah. Again, he's 40 in the movie um, at some point in the movie, I guess he turns 40. The timeline is a little hard to understand, but I thought, I guess it was like identify, not identifying with him, but like tracking that character be like, dude, like, you shouldn't live life like a checklist. Like, what are you doing? Like, don't like, this is not a situation. You're going to regret this later on. Um, so that, that was kind of just interesting. Um, and Marley too, like, didn't also seem kind of like a, well, I'm getting a dog because at some point I'm going to have kids. So, and then his coworker tells him, you got to get the dog first. So he's like, okay, fine. I'll get the dog first. Um, and then it's like the dog, like showing up every once in a while in these other life moments of him. So it almost felt like his story where the dog was sort of peppered into it. And I never really got a sense much or like attachment to the dog throughout the film for some reason. Um, hmm. I just, I mean, maybe also the fact that like, this is one note joke of like the dog is never trained. And like, that's just con consistently like just horribly yeah, yeah. Um, uh, behavior, which getting back to again, now as a dog owner, I'm like, this is not funny. Like this shouldn't, I get, it's like kind of like you have the one scene yeah. where the dog is bad when he's a puppy, but like, train your dog like he he needs help like he shouldn't still yeah. be eating couches at age five as a dog like that is that is totally on you like you are failing as right. a dog owner um so that was uh just kind of weird like that never kind of went in. i feel like there was no um owen wilson never kind of grows up either or like changes much which i thought was sort of interesting i thought it would be like okay well the dog teaches him this lesson and now he's like a better father or a better husband and I didn't really get that sense. So I thought that was just kind of interesting, like choice just as a, as a film. Um, I know that was based on, I think, uh, was based on a book that mm -hmm. was based on uh, columns a newspaper writer was writing. It's a true, 
story-ish. Like it's inspired by a real, a real dog. Um, but it def- does kind of feel like episodic in that way. And yeah, there were some scenes where it's like, okay, the dog is helping um, the, you know, Jennifer Aniston when she has a miscarriage and you see like kind of which dogs do like, kind of you reference this earlier um, with, with you notice it when your dog and I have and the dogs that I've been around too, like they kind of sense emotions and they right. can come and help you in those moments. So I thought those scenes were definitely, def- you know, true to life and spoke to me, but um, yeah, like he, it just was interesting. It's, it reminded me a lot of um, those, like, uh, like the dog I just felt had was almost not really a character. He was kind of like a prop. Like there's a lot of sitcoms where it's like, oh, well, we got to get rid of that old chair that we've had for 30 years. And it's like all the memories that we had on this chair and it's really sad, but like, okay, we got to throw it out because we're moving home. And like, there's a montage of all the moments of, you know, with the old chair. And that, that's almost kind of what I felt with the dog in this movie. Like he wasn't, I don't know. Like I just, I didn't feel that it, he was a, enough of a character that I was expecting at least going into it. And, you know, again, I, I did, uh, the reason why I was avoiding this movie was the death scene. Um, and I did, you know, get emotional at that scene because it's like a dog's passing away. But I felt that the scene was like really um, manipulative and sort of like clunky in how they handle it. Like they start with the scene, not to get too much into like a really hard scene to, to you know, to, to talk about. But, OK, there's a dog on the table and they zoom in on like the drugs as they're putting it in. So I'm like, oh, wow, they're like this is going to be super real. Just the dog passing away with Owen Wilson there and this. But then they start cutting to other family members and it's like Jennifer Aniston's sad and the kids who never really had a relationship with the dog they're all of a sudden like watching videos of the dog and I'm like none of this is earned like either you're going to do something very realistic and really like not sugarcoat at all and be like look this is sad part of life which does capture the whole lifespan of a dog like you said which I thought was cool um it's like pick one like either be very realistic or like incredibly schmaltzy and, and cutting to these kids, which had like, there were no big scenes of like the kids loving the dog. It was just sort of like more about Owen Wilson's relationship with the dog. So I don't know, like I didn't, I didn't affect me as much emotional as I thought more, I think due to like the filmmaking, I just didn't think was a landing for me on that, on that scene. Um, but uh, yeah, actually to sum it all up, actually my, my thoughts on the film were this in the credits, they have all, you know, these scenes of like the dog running around. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like little home movies, all the, mo- uh, you know, Owen Wilson, Jennifer Aniston, um, you know, so-and-so play the kid at age five. I'm like, oh, wow. It's like, okay. So I wonder how many dogs they filmed in, the, in this movie. How many played Marley? Okay. Where's the dog? Oh my God. The dogs weren't even listed in the credits. And then I went to really? IMDb. There were three dogs used all uncredited. So I'm like, that to me sums up the movie. Like he isn't even given enough weight in the film to have a credit of the three dog actors who played Marley was not even mentioned. And that's how I felt the whole film treated just the dog in general. He was kind of like a non, a non-entity to me. Um, but that's pretty sad that he was not listed. He um, wasn't credited because I love seeing the name of the dog and it's like, yeah. they were lit, and the dog's the, the title it's Marley and me. It wasn't like Owen Wilson yeah. and the dog. And yeah. like, what a bad agent. Whoever those agents were of those three dogs, just like they were like not, they were screwed out of that. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like that to me was a summation of like, I just felt the dog, what none of, none, none of the stuff with the dog I felt was earned. Um, and the dog just sort of felt like he was just the piece of, uh, piece of the, the, the house or like not like a real animal, I guess. Um, or, but yeah, that was, yeah. that was my takeaway from it. But I'm glad I finally did see it because I know there's a movie everyone talks about as like, big dog movie and like obviously the scene where the dog passes away which is not something that you normally get in a movie 
Um, they usually kind of either don't show that or don't go through the entire life arc of the dog, uh, which I did think was cool as a concept, but I just didn't think the dog had enough. Yeah. Like agency in his own film. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that Dick. Um, but I don't know, like to me, yeah, I guess those are interesting choices for sure of like, they're not being, you know, the, the lead actor, not being in control of their life and what have you, but you know, there are people like this. There oh, are yeah, 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 for sure. Life just sort of passes by and things happen. And, and I think that is why maybe the rest of the characters, including the dog, feel a little bit proppy in, in his life because mm. that's sort of how his life is. Like nothing yeah. is that intentional, you know? And you're sort of getting like a Truman Show-like view into this person's life and all these things are happening. And so... Yeah, you're not seeing, you know, a stated relationship development between the dog and and the and Owen Wilson's character. It's sort of more from, you know, a bit of a bird's eye view. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt it uh, from the get go, and it's it's sort of making the point that this relationship is actually not a lovey dovey one. And I get it. Like it's you know, get a better trainer and train the dog. But yeah. if you on that for a little bit yeah like it's not a lovey-dovey relationship that you would normally have between a dog parent and their dog it's actually a happenstance that these are people are even together so the relationship and the love is almost like a byproduct of everything that you witnessed and that's sort of how the movie's designed as well it'll be super fake and I think inauthentic if we suddenly had relationship moments between these people because that's not who this character is this character is just a bystander in his own life you know sad yeah which is sad but there are people like that so to me the love is sort of like a derived takeaway and not you know the prime center of 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 the life of the character uh, and the movie which i think is an interesting take you know because there are many movies as we listed mm-hmm. in our list where you, you see that arc like charles gordon's character for example is yeah. like the opposite of what we are seeing here in a way um but i think it's an interesting take uh which i think it's it's more to me the relationship is more of like i said a byproduct and more palpable as a viewer as opposed to from the point of view of the characters themselves if mm-hmm. you will yeah yeah i mean maybe too like as there's a scene in the film where you like you know Lone Wilson turns 40 and it's like what am I doing with my life and like yeah like we're older now like we're middle age and maybe like I was just keen too much on his arc and just being like wow like yeah the, the end of the movie the dog passed away is sad but just looking at this guy's life I'm like this is really sad and like you have a sad life that you gotta you know and it's like if in the Truman show if Truman never decided to get on that boat right. and go out at the end he just sort of yeah. accepted his own fate and just kind of like and yeah. that to me is just very, so like there's a somber that. sadness over it. And look, Wilson also was just, I mean, this was the first movie he made after his suicide attempt. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder if just that was maybe coming across in this, in his performance in some way too, of just, you know, cause that's a very hard thing, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he had to deal with, um, maybe he was bringing a lot of that to this role. And that was the sadness that then I was getting from it. But that in a way like that was more sad, like his life story was sadder to me than like the dog passing away at the end. Um, though again, I, I did tear up with the dog passing away at the end. Absolutely. As manipulative as that scene is, like you can't not cry when a yeah. dog is dying on screen. Like you know, totally. It, but, and but see, that's the thing, right? Like in a subtle way, the dog 
and the trials and tribulations that come with the dark propel propel this character's life, Owen Wilson's life. Like if you remove the dark out of this person's life and Jen Aniston, I think this person is ending up as a homeless person, probably. I, I think or, he'll be, be I think he'd be better. Like not to make the movie about <laughs> honestly, like I'm like Jennifer Aniston, like yeah, like this is not how you should be living your life. And like to put this guy through no, this, I, I think they should have broken up is, is what I'm saying. And, and he should have had a, you know, just, I don't know. Now we're getting too much of the, this is about dogs. I don't want to like, you know, this is not the love episode or the relationship episode. I just thought I was not expecting like that, I guess, um, kind of take on this, this movie. I just had it on faith. Okay. I know what this is going to be. It's like the dog doing up and affecting people in different ways and all the things, how dogs change you. And I'm like, this guy didn't change at all. And the dog just sort of seemed to be like another prop. Like you said, even Jennifer Aniston, her kid, his kids, they all sort of seem like props in this guy's life who just isn't, I don't know, having control of his own. It's yeah. But again, maybe just my age and I'm keen too much in on that. So, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did see this. And Yes, I did. I did cry when the dog died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a different kind of storytelling. Alex, yeah. not all movies can have arts and not all characters have to be likable. <laughs> oh, true. It's not that it wasn't likable. I just felt yeah. bad for him. I'm like, you know, yeah. you need something in your life. And like the dog just didn't, you know, help you see that, I guess. But uh, in yeah. indirect ways. Right, right. I right. think the dog propels. And I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, Okay, so now we'll get to my uh, my number one uh, movie that affected uh, my love of dogs. Um, classic Old Yeller, 1957 release, uh, directed by Robert Stevenson, starring Dorothy McGuire, Fess Parker, Tommy Kirk, and Old Yeller, who's the dog in the film, was played by Spike. Um, so uh, this the plot summary is, a teenage boy grows to love a stray yellow dog while helping his mother and younger brother run their Texas homestead while their father's away on a cattle drive. Um, first thought to be a good for nothing mutt, Old Yeller is soon beloved by all. Um, so this movie is a classic Disney film. Well, there's a lot of Disney movies on, on our list actually yeah. combined that I, I just realized as I said that. Um, uh, Dis classic Disney film um, from the late 50s. And, uh, you know, it's a movie that I'd seen as a kid a couple times. Um, it wasn't like a heavy rotation but uh, it definitely left a lasting impression on me. Probably saw, definitely before I had a dog, I saw this film. Um, and I, what I think um, what this does so well is really show how, you know, much like you were saying with Marley and me, how, the, you know, the, in this entire dog's life. Um, mm -hmm. In this movie, it is not the entire life, but it does contain, you know, a dog coming into a family, affecting the family and then and dying at the end. And I think that is really what, as, as a kid, you really see owning an app, a pet, having a pet, being around a dog, it's teaching you those life lessons of growing up and teaching you about how to love, teaching you about how to care for, for things, both the animal, but then also other humans, but mm. also teaches you about loss. And I think what this movie does with, through the main character of this kid is he becomes an adult through this film, through the interactions he's having with old Yeller and the other people that he's meeting. So um, it definitely was a movie, you know, as I see this as a kid, well, I was like, oh, I really want a dog. Like, it's just something that feels like an important part of like life and going through life is having a pet and especially a dog. Um, so in this film, the, uh, the, the family living out on a farm um, and the dad has to leave. I can't remember. It was like some cattle driver have to go into town for a couple weeks. Um, and it's just left now with the wife and then uh, the couple kids. And there's sort of a kid who's maybe like 12, 13, who now then has to step into that uh, father role. He has to be the protector. He has to leave the farm. He's like the man on the farm. 
Um, and in the beginning, he sees the dog as a pest who, much like Beethoven, the dog just sort of shows up in their life, which is interesting. I think that's something that uh, is in a lot of these movies, actually, where the yeah. dogs just kind of appear. And maybe that's just because you were saying yeah, you and your sister had dreamed of that. I think as kids, you dream like, what if a dog just showed up? Like, this is so yeah. cool. <laughs> and this movie is just another example of that where old Yeller just kind of comes in um, and, uh, you know, teaches this kid, all, again, a lot of those lessons that I mentioned um, around how to provide, like the dog is working on the farm. He then has to work on the farm. You even find out at one point that the dog has an owner and the owner comes and is like, hey, look, I want my dog back. Um, and uh, through that conversation with this guy who once he realizes the kids love the dog he's like obviously i'm not going to take the dog but here's a chance for a life lesson and he trades you know a meal hot meal in the you know in the farmhouse for the dog so the kid's actually learning about um you know the value of money um and you know it's like a teaching moment for for this uh, for this kid and i think that's really what this uh you know this movie does so well and, and shows that um and you know at the end of the movie which is also a famous dog pat dying at the end of the movie um, the dog gets uh, bitten and is, is rabid and uh, the dog has to put down and the dad is still gone. So, you know, the mom said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll kill the dog. Uh, but the kid's like, no, I want to do it. And this awesome is not only sort of a, he's killing this dog because he um, it's what's best for the dog. The dog's obviously sick. Um, but also it is that he's now the protector. Like the dog is a threat now to the family unit and he has to come in and be the man and be the protector and then actually be the one to, to kill the dog, which is really sad. I mean, I cried as a kid at that. I cried whenever you watched it now when the dog dies, because it's sad. Like it's, it's not only is the dog passing away, but you see the dog as someone who was a dog who was really nice. And now he's rabid and it's just a very off putting thing. Um, and I think that dog death scene too is very important as a kid, just understanding you know, that will happen. Like people live longer than dogs. Like there will be that part that'll come when the dog is, has to leave. Um, and there's even a line in the movie that I thought really kind of sums up the, um, uh, that as a, as a life lesson is like, don't waste the good parts of life by being scared of the bad parts. Like when you get a dog, you know that the dog will pass away at some point and that'll be very hard, but the dog brings so much joy and love into your life and teaches you so many things and makes you into a better person. Like that's just part of accepting that, uh, that journey, that there will be bad parts. At some point you will have to say goodbye, um, mm -hmm. which is hard to think about, but um, you know that that's there, but it's not like you'd rather not the dog be in your life at all. Like you're just thankful for that dog being there because you, you know about those, uh, those good parts. So hadn't seen this movie in a really long time. It wasn't like a Beethoven 101 Dalmatians where I was like, remembering scenes it was mm -hmm. almost kind of like watching it for the first time i remember the emotions that i felt and some of the mm -hmm. plot points but it was interesting watching this film again um, as an adult you know still definitely affected me um you know cried when old yeller gets killed um but i was able to pick up on a lot of these themes like masculinity um and man being a man um you know it's also a western so there's a lot of like uh you know themes about american mythology and the yeoman farmer and all these things so i picked up a lot of that stuff watching it again um and the animal acting is crazy like unlike oh. white fang they don't have a no animals were harmed and there are some incredibly like questionable scenes of the dogs fighting other animals and i'm like what is like hopefully this is fine um, that, you know, definitely as a kid, I didn't, I didn't think about, but, uh, yeah, classic. I know it's kind of cheesy even putting this on the list, um, just because of, uh, you know, how this movie is in, in the culture, but it did really affect me as a child when I watched it and rewatching it, all those lessons, I think are the, the key lessons of, you know, dog ownership, um, that I felt now having a dog, um, 
So yeah, Old Yeller, a cheesy choice, but I, I put it on there nonetheless. Yeah, not more cheesy than Marley and Me, for sure. I don't know. They're both, both of those movies. I think that's like the modern, Mar- Marley and Me is sort of like the modern Old Yeller. Like everyone's seen yeah. it and thinks that's like the dog movie of like the modern audience and maybe replacing Old Yeller in a way because it does have that arc of there's a sad scene where you have to say goodbye to the dog. Um, so yeah, Marley and Me is kind of like the modern Old Yeller, perhaps. Um, anyway. Yeah, in some ways, yeah. But I think... I see now why you felt the way you felt about Marley and me, because I never watched Old Yeller and I just watched it for the first time in preparation for oh, this. Interesting. And, okay. Uh, it is sort of, yeah, if I were to tell the Marley and me story in a more conventional way and what I would expect the story arc to be, it would be a old, old Yeller kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see that. I think it's that traditional structure of the movie is done very well by this movie and that's sort of what is going for as opposed to i think marley and me i don't want to give this much credit to the director and the makers of marley and me i don't know if they were intentionally trying to kind of subvert that who knows yeah Yeah. (laughs) maybe they weren't making an old yeller movie and just failed at it terribly (laughs) or they just intentionally did something different and to me it lands a little bit differently and still Mm -hmm. in a positive way but yeah but yeah, it was it was fun to watch all the other, you know, all those themes, like you said, of masculinity and the Western and, and mythology and such. Like that was pretty powerful to see. Uh, again, shot very beautifully. Performances are very good by all the children uh, and such. The 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 boy killing the dog, like I I couldn't I couldn't watch that. That's that that was too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess you can sort of say it's a different time and what have you but i just kept thinking like in in no way would any parent let you know a child do that uh no matter what no matter what lesson you're trying to learn or grow up and what have you but again you know slightly different time man of the house you know even though you're much younger than the mother but you know the mother has a certain status in the household that's correct yeah yeah Um, so i don't know if i had watched this as a kid it would have stayed with me in a different way but watching it now for the first time that was very hard for me to swallow yeah even though i know it's representing a different time so you um had you did you know about this was this a movie you knew about growing up or did it not ever kind of make it so okay interesting so did you know about the ending just in pop culture oh okay okay so that never oh okay yeah that's just like a famous sort of like uh sad moment in a movie when old yeller gets killed um did you know that was coming i could sense it okay Um, okay yeah. Because it sort of became pretty clear that this is like one of those arc movies that the mm-hmm. dog is you know, going to be a part of your life for a while. And at some point the dog has to go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess they do drop a lot of hints about the rabies throughout the film too, about like right. being that there. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, again, as a kid, it just sort of that stuff washes over you so much. Um, and now I can sort of see the seeds of, of the plot. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, yes, that's uh I mean, I guess that scene still as an adult for the first time seen, it seems like it la- left such an impression you couldn't, you couldn't watch, get, was, get to it. Yeah. yeah, it was horrifying. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I would say is that one of the few dog movies that I've seen, this is just maybe my own personal preference, but the dog is not movie cute. Right, you know? right. And they say that upfront in the movie that, you know, a lot of people call the dog ugly or what yeah. have you. And 
I was sort of happy to see that this dog is kind of a weird looking dog with like weird ears and mm-hmm. and you fall in love with the dog through the dog's actions and and what the dog means to the family and the relationship that the dog builds with the family not just purely on the way the dog looks and yeah. I will agree like I think half of Marley and me's winning over at least on me from when I first saw it was because Marley is so cute like right right we ignore so much of <laughs> you know the holes everywhere else yeah. because the dog is so adorable so I thought that was interesting like they could have cast like a you know movie pretty dog but they didn't which is good that's a, yeah i never thought about that it's not a benji of like this cute little dog yeah. and but, but thinking actually back then that might i mean i'm not an expert on dog movie history but i do wonder if like because rin tin tin was popular back then he was not like just a grown-up german shepherd like maybe that thing at some point there was a turning point of like oh we got to go like super cute with all the dogs and then every dog movie it's like the dog's got to be cute and adorable and that's what sort of sells it but you're right like old yeller is just i can't remember what dog breed he is he was a breed i, I looked it up after i saw the filming and i'm like i've never even heard of this breed um of dog but it, it definitely does match sort of the old west like if all of a sudden benji walked up and it's like okay this is <laughs> this is very unrealistic um so yeah there is definitely that uh that sense um but uh cool so uh, any movies that didn't make it on your list but that you want to mention um nothing in particular i think i was pretty solid on this right from the get-go because i there are other dog movies that i've watched but i haven't watched them as often mm-hmm. best in show was probably the only other one that i was thinking of but like you said, like to me, that movie is more about the owners and not the dogs. So right. that's why I didn't want to put that on my list. Um, but I was happy to see it on your list. Um, but yeah, nothing else. What about you? Yeah, for me, Beethoven was a similar thing of like, oh, well, that's like the first dog. When I think of a dog movie, that's usually the first one that I think of because uh, I yeah. watched it apparently so many times. I remember <laughs> the lines 30 years later. Um, and when I saw it on your list, I'm like, OK, cool. We're talking about Beethoven. Like, we're good. Um, Homeward Bound is another movie that came out around that same time. Um, also that uh, I watched a lot. Um, it was a remake of a, another Disney film from the, I think it was the sixties or the, or the seventies um, about like two dogs and a cat trying to get back to their owner. So that was a movie I watched a lot um, as a kid, uh, which actually um, other than 101 Dalmatians, the other movies that we chose, the dogs don't talk, which is interesting because there's a lot of talking dog movies. And for some yeah. reason, those, um, I guess didn't resonate as much with us other than 101 Dalmatians um, than the ones that don't talk because Homer yeah. Bound, they talk Beethoven, the dog doesn't talk. Um, so it just, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means, uh, but it just all of a sudden that connection dawned on me of like, yeah, I guess we, it's more the the realism or the fact that um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like the talking dog sort of puts human personalities onto an animal. I mean, dogs are alive. I think they have, any, if there is a soul, like, and we have it, they have it too, but we're different also animals. And, you know, maybe the voice on a dog just seems too much like um, turning them into humans. I don't know. Like, I think so. It could work that. in animation form, but right. I don't know. In real live action, it feels a little put upon mm-hmm. to me. Um, what, the, one of the movies that I want to see that I always avoided is Hachi, which I've heard really good things about. But then, Oh, Yeah. Um, Gosh, what's his name? I've never seen that either, uh, but I have heard good things about it. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll both have to watch that and then do an episode on that. 
All right. <laughs> um, yeah, that movie actually was coming up a lot. Um, just and looking on IMDb, it's just like a really highly rated um, dog. And it, you know, I watched the trailer and I cried at the trailer. So I, I think what it did. Yeah. Yeah. I think that movie definitely uh, at some point I, I, I almost thought about watching it. And then for this episode though, I mean, just as a, just another thing to kind of compare the other mm. movies that did have an effect on me, but yeah, that one definitely uh, it seems to be some modern classic that at some point I will watch, but yeah. Uh, cool. <laughs> nice. um, yeah. So any uh, parting thoughts that you have messages, dog messages, well, just the uh, dogs are amazing. They are the best things uh, on the planet or any planet. Uh, so for all those people who have dogs, like love your dogs, take care of them. Also train them well. Annoying <laughs> and a handful, uh, most likely it's you, not the dog. Right. So take yeah. care of them and, uh, and much love to Oscar. <laughs> oh, th- thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I second everything you said. Dogs are the best. Um, so a shout out to all the dog owners, past dog owners, soon to it's potential future dog owners and all the dogs out there. Hopefully the, the, the dogs enjoyed this episode too. Um, great. So uh, thank you everyone for listening. Um, you know, please do uh, rate, subscribe, um, leave us reviews on your, your favorite podcast platform, spread the word. Um, if you have any dog uh, lovers out there, please share this episode and uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Woof, woof. <laughs> woof woof <laughs> bye